This podcast is from heptagonclub.co.uk and paulcarenza.com. The Heptagon Club. Heptagon Club. Heptagon Club with Paul Carenza. Seven guests, seven corners. On this week's show. So last the time ago, Lord Sugar will see you now. And there he is. Feeling like your mum had discovered a, a magazine that you'd rather not discover under your bed. Technically, it is criminal damage and I have been threatened with arrest. And your host, Mr. Paul Carenza. Thank you, thank you. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Heptagon Club. My name is Paul Carenza, and this is a new podcast. So, thank you for trying us out. It's a podcast, it's a party, it's above all a club of which you are a member. But it's an exclusive club. We only have seven guests a week here some famous, some infamous, some unfamous friends, Romans, countrymen, comedians, plumbers, astronauts. We're still waiting. For an astronaut, Tim Peake's not returning my calls. In our introduction there, you may have heard our two... They may have sounded slightly automated. That's because they are my two robot assistants. I have a butler, Dribbles. How are you doing, Dribbles? Very well. Thank you, sir. May I add? You're looking very smart today. Very dapper, sir. Dribbles, my lord, butler. And we have our co-hostess with the co-mostess. Our hostess, Polly, with the hostess trolley. She'll be mingling, serving drinks, uh, shoving volivons down the guest's throats. And uh, how are you doing? Are you well? I'm fine. Is that it? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, Polly's not saying much at the minute, but that's because I've not typed anything for her to say. Uh, Dribbles, who do we have coming up this week on the Heptagon Club? Top comic Milton Jones from Gogglebox, the Reverend Kate Botley. Third place on The Apprentice, Richard Woods. Master of the Movie Mistakes website, John Sands. Friend and international clubber, Russ Anderson. And Richard Reynolds, the Gorilla Gardener. Well, thank you, Dribbles, a fine lineup, and uh, those pronunciations nearly sounded okay, but then that's robot butlers for you, I suppose. Now, look, our first corner... Anecdotalist single nook. Anecdotalist single nook. The first one over there is Mr. Milton Jones. Hey, most kind, most kind, there you go. Great comedian, and look, he's got older kids. Now, I'm a not-so-great comedian with younger kids. First, I've got to ask, how do you cope with the younger kids bit? Um, yes, I'm afraid I've been about ten years quite tired. Right, yeah. Okay. And coming in, I always remember uh, my daughter. She wrote saying, "I love my mum," and then did a card for me saying, "My dad is lazy." <laughs> <laughs> because okay. let me explain. Um, I used to be around all day, and then she'd go to bed, and then I'd go to work. Of course, yeah. And then I'd be there in the morning, looking very tired. <laughs> and uh, she assumed that you know. In fact, when her cousin asked her, you know, does your daddy ever do any work? And, you know, the fact that we were charging up and down the M1 during that time when she was asleep. uh, So, yes, um, of course now it's turned the other way and they're all very grateful for tickets to Reading or or television shows or whatever it is. And uh, it's not the least cool job you could have. Um, and they try and sell me jokes as well. So, oh, that's a, oh, yeah, okay. Sell, being... Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, they're on the yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I started getting um, our um, map out and trying to show my kids oh, yeah. where I've just been the night before, and they sort of... They can't quite grasp... Hull, is, is that near Sainsbury's? It's, it's beyond even Sainsbury's. <laughs> yes, you know, it's uh, way beyond it's Sainsbury's. even beyond uh, Morris. It's not yeah. quite as far as Aldi. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wikipedia. Let me know this. It says subjects in term under the comedian. Oh, yeah. Everyday life, celebrities, pop culture, human interaction, and current events. Apparently, who wrote that? I have no idea. And I thought, well, who who doesn't? Which comedian doesn't talk yes. about human interaction? <laughs> I, I don't want to ever talk about yes, yes. that thing. 
Um, is there anything they're missing there? What are your grandfathers? Ah, Milton's grandfather jokes. My grandfather did this funny thing. My other grandfather did another funny thing. Dribbles? Never try stand-up comedy. Do you know how many granddads you've ever had as a maximum on your estate? Um, I reckon I once counted eight to one of your gigs. I'm yes. pretty sure in the early days. Well, I would say it's about... 25 to 30. 25 to 30, really? Yeah, you've met all of them. I've not been to one of the longest shows, clearly. No, yeah, yeah. quite. No, I yes. can do a long, long really? time of granddads. Wow. Almost too long, yes. some would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and no grandmothers in all of this? Uh, there are a couple of grandmothers. Oh, there are some grandmothers, okay. But to be honest, you could adapt the same things for grandfathers. So if oh, I was yeah. really cheating, mm. actually, you could adapt all my jokes ever mm. to grandfathers, probably if you really? said my grandfather That's said. True. That's true. <laughs> and have, have either of your grandfathers ever done any of the things that another no, they Well, they're both long gone actually, but right. one of them uh, was a missionary and okay. one of them sold fruit in a market. So in a way they okay. were both stand-ups of their oh, own yeah. kind. Okay. Yes, and I yes. sometimes say that I think I'm a cross between the two. Mm. Um, you know, it's sort of half preaching, half showmanship, Interesting. trying to flog <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Plug old gear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> be a band of apples. Come on. Yeah, exaggerating apples. your yeah. Uh, quality. You know, he used to be in Swansea Market, um, and apparently the crowd would gather because he had right. quite a pattern. You know, so maybe was it inevitable then that maybe that um, missionary plus fruit marketeer equals comedian? I don't know. Yes, yeah. um, it was in the circumstances. I mean, mm. not that I saw it. You see, I saw it more like being an actor. Mm. And I wanted to be an actor, but nobody else wanted me to be an actor. Right. So therefore, to get up and do stuff, well, you, you know, it's easier uh, because you're writing your own stuff, as you know, you go and do an open spot. Yeah. And gradually that took over, but I still had half an eye on the acting mm. thing. Mm. I still do. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> producers, yeah, yeah. Hello, how are you doing? I'm you really well. Thank you. Over here, browsing the entertainment shelves of DVDs and books, we have someone who loves a bit of telly, I yeah, believe. Yeah, I really, really like telly. Star of Channel 4's Gogglebox and a member of the clergy in her own right. It's Reverend Kate Buck. Yeah, we absolutely loved her. I'm a massive telly addict. Um, Graham's much more of a kind of running around in the garden kind of guy, and yeah. I'm much more of a kind of sitting in my comfy pants kind right, of gal. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. So that's how it works in our house. Do, you, do you still watch telly when you're not being... Film watching telly. Yeah, we do. We do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And but um, for Gogglebox, we sometimes end up watching things that we wouldn't necessarily watch. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I can. I I do a stupid, crazy job. You know, I I do everything from marrying people to burying babies, which is just crazy. Um, That means that you know, there's nothing nice than to get in and open a bottle and watch something silly. Yeah. How long have you been um, clergy? I've been clergy since 2008. Is when I got the uh, the ring of confidence. Very good. Very good. <laughs> very my good. neck. I'm not sure who it gives confidence to, but really confidence in 2008. Um, and uh, yeah, never expected, never yeah. expected that to happen. It really? was, I, I was a te- secondary school teacher, oh, okay. and that was what I was going to do forever and ever and ever. And then I went out for a curry with my vicar, right, and um, really? it was, there was an awkward silence. And in yeah. the awkward silence, he, he <laughs> felt the need to tell me that he thought I should get ordained. It, it all felt a bit like uh, well, it, it was a combination of feeling like that you know your mum had discovered a, a magazine that you'd rather not discover yeah. under your bed combined with you know the old Christmas is coming at once it's both the best thing and the most terrifying thing all at the same time Kate Botley there sadly moved on from Gogglebox now but we'll be seeing plenty more of her both on the small screen and here on a future podcast in a few episodes time now the club is filling up nicely uh, so I think we need some atmospheric background music something classical some Prokofiev perfect Uh, that's conveniently 
copyright free, although recordings by orchestras are not. So thankfully, we have here a vinyl copy of the copyright free choir. Ah yes, Prokofiev's Apprentice theme, that's how we know it. And uh, The Apprentice returns to British TVs very soon. Our next guest was on the last series of it. So over here in the nook of name dropping of the Heptagon Club, a corner where names are dropped and beans are spilled, we'll find out what it's like to walk into that boardroom for the very first time and meet Lord Sugar of Amstrad. From the last series of The Apprentice, he came third. They called him Tricky Dicky unfairly. We call this lovely man Richard Woods. Hello. Hello, Apprentice... Number you were third? Third. Third on the Bronze. Apprentice. Bronze is good. Yeah, frustratingly stuff. Bronze. <laughs> they don't give you a medal, do they, for that? No, they don't. They, do. they <laughs> give you a firing. They give you a, <laughs> they give you a B45. A yeah. brutal, brutal firing. <laughs> a public humiliating. Oh. Yeah. Does yeah. it feel... I mean, I know that we're watching it at home thinking, oh, thank the Lord, that's not me going through yeah. that process. But does it feel... How does it feel at the time to be told that? Uh, do you know what? It, it, it's really it's really annoying because obviously you're trying to... I win. I was so yeah, close yeah. and actually I was the most successful candidate mm. in the process. More wins than anybody else. Yep. I sold more than anybody Eight else. Wins, Eight wins out of ten and the, I didn't lose twice. Mm. I've lost once and drawn once. Mm. Um, so if I had won the one that I drew, I would have been the most successful candidate ever to be on The Apprentice. Mm. Uh, which is a bit annoying. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, you know, by not winning, I didn't get the 250k. I didn't get a lord as a business partner and a billionaire business partner, <laughs> which is yeah. quite, you know, useful. Let's not focus on the things. It's that quite you useful. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but but actually, yeah. coming out of it, um, massive high profile mm. uh, worked really well for me. So, did you go into it because you think I've got this business plan? I want to do this business plan because I want to show what I can do as a business. Because yeah. we, the public watching you have this attitude of these people are trying out in business but actually you're successful in business yeah you've got businesses going for that point. and and this is actually one of my downfalls so i said oh i want to go and carry on my business mm. i want the cash injection and and you to come on as a, a you know a board member mm. um and he's and the show said oh no you can't do that because it has to be a new business and i said well fine all right we'll set up the new business and then down the road we'll roll in my current business and it'll be fine they said oh no you can't sort of start making plans like that and then it was like, well, you're going to start being in competition with yourself. And of course, then that was what unfolded, is that I would be basically setting up a business that was in competition with my current business. Right. And actually, if anybody was going to apply for The Apprentice again, I'd say, mm. just try and, try and not do something that you're already doing, yeah. try and do something new, because um, I got, that's what unstuck That was the downfall, wasn't yeah. it? And that yeah. was, so that was in the final five the scary the interviews. Five, the scary interviews. Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. I was left in the fetal position crying oh, for my mum. Oh, no. It's such a shame. Yeah. Isn't it such a shame? You've come that far. Well, yeah, you know. but at the same time, it's the best PR, the best promotional, well, it is. It is. lots of opportunity, lots of fun. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. I wouldn't mm. change it. I'm, I'm still, you know, got my business and all the rest of it, mm. and it's going better. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that whole bit, that whole thing of like, oh, but you've already got this business with your with yeah. your brother as yeah. well. Yeah. That felt to me like the X Factor moment yeah. where they say, okay, do you want to break up the band? Yeah, you've got the, you're yeah. the singing siblings. <laughs> yeah. We just want one of you. Come on, and then you go, no, I'm standing firm. Yeah, and exactly. Then you go, right, you're off the show then. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was. And then like right at the end, I was like, no, all right, okay. <laughs> exactly. Okay, I can, I can probably... Because it yeah. wasn't a case of, you know, I'd cut Tim mm. out. No. What, what I said is that in the end, that I would come out of it and, and mm. give Tim everything. Yeah. Um, and again, he was like, well, that wasn't really what I was looking for. You know, the, the idea used to be that um, 
that the prize is a job with, with Lord Sugar. I reckon the job is to be the one who answers the phone and says, Lord Sugar, we'll see you now. That, that is, <laughs> it's, so each time, that's actually the apprentice winner from the last series. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, that's my theory. <laughs> you never see a face. <laughs> you never see a face, but it, it is a her. It last her. year, that's it was, a, it was oh, a boy that won it. Yeah. Okay, that theory falls down. That does, but her name is Yasmin, and you never speak to her. She looks at you and smiles, but she doesn't say a word. So when I first time I went into that um, waiting room, which um, is a, um, a warehouse in Park Royal, so oh, it's yes. not in Canary Wharf. Right, right. There's no ceiling to the set. Um, there's no ceiling. There's no ceiling. It's so open so, it so it's, it's, you're in a warehouse, but then the set oh, is really? walls and there's no ceiling to it. Right. Um, so you're looking up at just the inside of a warehouse Happy and there's right. cameras all around it mm. um, and there's a black tunnel, you go into that and suddenly you find yourself in that waiting area mm. uh, which I've spent a lot of time in. <laughs> but you go in there, Different you angles. look to your... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> look at your shoes now. Can you look back on yeah, your shoes? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you look to your left and it's the, it's, it's the, it's the receptionist from The Apprentice mm. and you're, your fans only on her. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've yeah. seen her face. Of course, yeah. And then all of a sudden she'll answer the phone and go, Lord Sugar will see you now. And the doors open mm. and there he is in front of you in the apprentice boardroom for the first time. You're looking and thinking, oh my God. And then suddenly you think, is he a waxwork? Because he looks right. like a waxwork. Yeah, yeah. Like it's Because he so recognises his mm. face so much. But, uh, and then he scowls at you and you're like, oh God, you can, where are you trying to hide? And it is, it, the whole thing's like, power dressing 80s style like everything's there and so you it's just built for intimidation Mm. but great fun we have got a bit of a guinea pig theme running through this episode i guess Uh, we've had the apprentice goggle box you're all guinea pigs for trying this out so thank you for that i'm just going through my old school notebooks 30 years ago this was 29th of april 1986 I was seven years old and I wrote this. Making the most of what you've got. This is our homework. I would like to be a happy and cheerful guinea pig. I wouldn't like to be a miserable guinea pig because I wouldn't have any friends. An apostrophe on friends at the end. Apart from that, it got a big tick. So I think we can learn a lot from that, really. Um, Here's another one. I was six years old. This is my essay on anger. Here we go. I feel like I'm going to do a handstand backwards over the chair and land behind the coffee table. My hair feels like it's sticking up. I show my teeth. I go, grrr. I stamp my feet. I bang my fists on the table. I sometimes feel like I'm going to knock over a pint of milk. I take my socks off and do a skid around the bath. Yeah, that's um, the end of that essay on anger. So there you go. It says a lot about what an angry six-year-old I was. Uh, The teacher just wrote, I wouldn't like to meet you when you're very angry. Probably also because there's something involving the bath and skids. Doesn't sound very pleasant. Let's have another guest. Now this guy, John Sands. I did a podcast with this guy called Movie Banter. Still available on the iTunes. Have a look for it. But here's John. Joe Corner. Have you ever kept guinea pigs? From doing what? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. Only three words. But I think he kind of dealt with that one pretty well. He will be back a future week. But hey, in terms of guinea pig jokes, well, Milton Jones has got a cracker. Do you know what it is, Dribbles? At school, I was told to take the school guinea pig home. Seven months later, I finally arrived in the African Republic of Guinea. Dribbles, 
leave it to the professionals. I was watching new TV drama series and they uh, suddenly cut to um, Guinea, Western Africa. I was looking in the background for a young Milton Jones <laughs> returning a guinea pig. And, yes, um, yes, yes. I th most comedians they have, like, I mean, we could mention any comedian, you'd have a go-to joke yes. that you associate with them. Yeah. And maybe maybe two or three things that they've been around a while. Yes, and yeah. you just go, yeah, that joke. And it was quite often, mm. I'm, I'm trying to think of an example, but uh, it's the, the one that everyone remembers. Is that yours now? Is that Actually, I wouldn't with... have said that one. No. I said, uh, it depends where you first saw me, because... Mm. The one people used to go on about was the Revels one years oh, ago. Oh, the Revels one, yeah, okay. Years ago. Um, yes, yes. Uh, the boys in the playground found out I had a potentially fatal allergy to peanuts. They used to shove me up against the wall and make me play Russian roulette with a bag of Revels. Now, the trouble is you can't do that anymore because right. um, they don't do the peanut one anymore. Oh, do they not? No. Nope. Oh, I like to think it was my influence. It clearly. probably wasn't. <laughs> yeah, 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 I've ruined it. Uh, and also uh, yeah. it got complicated because Revels did an advert uh, based uh, on uh, the deer hunter. Oh um, right, okay. So they people, yes. Is uh, that from he hearing your joke? Well, or? lots of people wrote to the Guardian yeah. as a result and said that's a Milton Jones joke or something. <laughs> and there was a big article in the Guardian mm. about it. And of course, Revels and their advertising people said, "Oh no, of course not. <laughs> of we course. just thought of it as well." Yeah. Uh, probably in all likelihood, what happened was someone told them that without crediting me and they sort of adapted it mm. and you know it was one of those things that you could never trace and my best the best thing I could say was I've got jokes about Mars bars as well if anyone's <laughs> yeah, interested yeah, very true very true well, the uh, other one yeah. is the baby ghost one that's the other one I was thinking also the um, uh, going down the Downhill there's so many. In there's fact, so many. every, every, every joke's a classic. Yeah. It's always a classic, isn't yeah. it? The older jokes, because presumably you don't, do you do them anymore? You're doing a new show, you do a new tour, but uh, do, they, do you hold them away and they're ready for any occasion that's Well, required. you know what it's like? You Sometimes you haven't done a joke for years mm. and then you get a, a golden opportunity to do it and you just mm. can't remember it. Oh, right. You start off and you think, I hope I can remember the end of this. Although uh, the tour I've just finished uh, had sections in where give me a subject, any subject, and I'd just do a joke. So I was really trawling back, you know, when someone said butterflies or whatever it was, I'd, I'd have to just go back and think of something I did 10 years ago. And after a while... I got better at doing that. And also, someone you probably get the same someone come up to you and say, I remember when you said this. And you go, no, that wasn't me, that was someone else. But then when you think about it, it was you. It's just you've completely forgotten about oh, it. Right. That's the other thing I get. And uh, Dan Evans, who you'll know yep. who I write with, mm. is actually better at mem remembering my jokes than I am. You'll have to remind me what it was. Yeah. Even though I've written it down. And I have it all written down somewhere, but it's not all at hand. I could put into my computer porridge or something and then well yeah. messy breakfast but, um, <laughs> I could put the word in and I could come up with probably something I'd done on porridge I can't think of anything now is the way of doing the um, drawing on previous jokes you know the joke challenge thing mm. is it a way of keeping the older jokes alive or do you are you happy to retire them is it sort of adding in a way it yeah. is but also I'm conscious too with one-liners that after about 15 minutes you can see mm. blood coming out of people's ears oh, okay, yeah. and yeah. it can sound too structured. So one of the ways of uh, chopping that up is to make it more spont spontaneous and give yeah. the audience the feed line, as it were, and you try and come up with a punchline. And sometimes you end up you know, not succeeding. But that sort of reminds mm. everyone that we're all walking a tightrope. That's true, which is no bad yeah, thing. Really. No bad thing once or twice. However, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. keep on doing it. Keep dropping. They're like, I'm not yeah. coming to this circus again. Yeah.
schmoozing very well. It's all going really rather nicely here at the Heptagon Club. Um, there is one guest who I did feel I wanted to mention, who we had invited and couldn't make it, but it's really thanks to him that we are here having this podcast. And I've only met him once. But here's the thing, about a year ago, that's um, summer of 2015 or 2015 or whatever we call it nowadays, I was in a, a cafe doing a bit of writing and I had this idea for this podcast thinking, oh yeah, just little chats and interviews with people, snippets of conversation, thinking, surely everyone has a story. And I was in this cafe thinking this but doing some writing that I didn't really have my mind on. And this guy next to me just leaned over and he said, are you a journalist? And I said, uh, no, I'm not. And he said, um, I'm meant to be meeting a journalist here and they've not shown to ask me about my story. So it turns out he had this story that actually he, in the 50s, was actually told he had won a competition to go over to a Pacific island and watch the hydrogen bomb being tested. Now, at the time, of course, it seemed like, OK, fair enough, I've won this competition. But in hindsight, of course, it was a test to see how people would react that close to the hydrogen bomb being dropped. And, of course, it was a horrible uh, fiasco of a situation. Since then, he's had all these health problems, all of these issues. But this amazing situation where he actually was was lied to um, by the government, I guess. And, um, and actually, they were testing uh, to see what would happen when people were watching it in close proximity. So he, he told me all this story when I was thinking about, wow, surely everyone's got an idea of a story, uh, a true-life anecdote for this uh, this idea of the Heptagon Club podcast. And and I said, great, can I record this for you? And he said, oh, no, 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 I don't want to be recorded. I'm just happy to talk about it. And he was going to have this journalist meet him, interview him. Never got to record him. I nearly. I then said, "How about if I, you go away and think about it?" And he, we made an appointment, and then he bailed again. He said, "No, I don't want to do it." So, this is for you, Clive. Uh, thank you for um, telling me that story and actually enthusing me uh, to go out and maybe record some other conversations with people. And what a tale, though, of that hydrogen bomb! It's um, the power of of nature and the power of those elements is something phenomenal. The Heptagon Club. Seven guests, seven corners. The Heptagon Club with Paul Carenza. Our fifth guest, Mr. Russ Anderson, tech and science guru. And his favorite element? Sulfur hexafluoride is amazing. That's a whole other episode. <laughs> but what do you like so much about something? It's also the negative helium. The negative helium. What, it means really heavy or makes your voice get very deep? Uh, it, oh, deep. Really? It's, really? So, it's so heavy, it's six times heavier than air. So if you breathe it in you and you speak, it's like four octaves lower. Barry White kind of. It, and it's, White, the, it's the equivalent of helium. But oh. the problem is, because it's heavy, yes. if you inhale it and try and speak, it's funny. Right. But it sinks into your lungs and, and then kills you. Out. So you think, this would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, so helium might be the funniest because it makes you give a silly voice okay, and then we're you also, don't die. We're also running out of it and everyone is like playing balloons, which is really, really... Are we seriously running out of helium? Is it the most, yeah. second most common element in yeah. 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 But we live on... But not where gravity oh. exists. Yeah. Oh. Can we harvest helium? 
So lots of exciting guests at the Heptagon Club. Loads of big ones coming up as well. We've hopefully got Tim Vine, Miranda Hart, Reverend Richard Cole, Sally Phillips. All those future weeks going to be very exciting. Um, this is one part of the show, though, where it's, it's always nice to bring a bottle to any party. Bring a bottle. So this is that part of the show where we ask you to give something back. And I'm not asking for money. I'm not asking you to go out and tell the world about it on a street corner. All I'm saying is this week, go into iTunes, subscribe, rate us. Five stars would be fantastic. Anything under that really would not really count, actually, and probably would work against us. But five stars would be amazing. Rate us, subscribe on the iTunes. That this week is your bring a bottle moment to give something back and help the podcast prosper. I thank you. So, okay, quick fire apprentice things that you okay. can. This is my theories that you Go can confirm, deny, or no comment. So, uh, you know, up to you entirely. Um, is um, My theory is that in the house that you're all in, um, that none of you talk to each other until the cameras roll and then you just fake laugh and go, ha, 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 aren't we having a nice time here kind of thing all around the sofa. Um, deny. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of glad. I'm kind of like when you got. I mean, get you're living with people for three months yeah. and so you get one ten-minute phone call um, a week home to loved ones and that is it. So you're locked away, big brother style. You don't go home on weekends? You don't go home at all. You're convinced. there the whole time. Really? Yeah, exactly. And that's it's... So, so sometimes it is eerily silent, but that's awful. Usually wow. after a big um, bust up in the boardroom, and wow. uh, and that will mean that it's all really quite mm. weird and quiet. So three months in a row. So you three don't. Three months in a row. Yeah. I was. I, I was. I, I'm sure I heard somewhere that it was. You do like three or four days, and then you get to go home for yeah. three days and yeah. come back. And yeah. But that's not. That's no. like, wow. No. Wow, that's full on. Yeah, yeah. yeah no wonder it's, it's a pressure on, cooker yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. And you live with these people, so there's there's these alliances that are actually built up mm. through friendships that you mm. make, and then you've got to go throw people under the bus. Of course, so, yeah. three months is a long time as well. It is a long time, isn't it? Is wow, that's yeah. terrifying. Okay, good to know. Good to know. So I'm here with Richard Reynolds, Gorilla Gardener, which um, may be news to some people. So. Um, Perhaps you could tell us something just very briefly what a gorilla gardener is and what exactly, how you got into this uh, this, this yeah. idea of gardening. But a gorilla gardener is someone who gardens land that is not theirs. But what makes them a gorilla is that they do not ask the landowner first. So council land? Mm, typically neglected public land. So yeah. very often the responsibility of the council, I mean London transport authorities, occasionally, and well, it, it can be private land as well. I I know gardeners, gorilla gardeners, who just see you know opportunity in their neighbour's front garden, just think, goodness gracious, I'm just going really, to yeah. help them on their way. Yeah. Easier just to get on and do it than to um, embarrass the landowner by asking them first, because of course by asking them it might seem like a helpful gesture, but <laughs> yeah. you are of course pointing out Absolutely. how awful it is, how, how they yeah. are incapable. We all know places now. I know places. Can think of exactly about ten places near me where it could do with a bit of work, to be honest. And it's um, and all I do is walk past and tut, and it's not uh, really uh, you know so. Um, uh, so it's a great message, really, about sort of getting out there and, and doing something, really, isn't it? So how did you start? What was your first bit of gorilla gardening you ever did? Or how you um, it was 12 years ago, 2 o'clock in the morning, um, outside the tower block where I live in Elephant Castle. So I was a um, gardenless gardener, frustrated, right. and saw the opportunity. Mm. Um, and I've since realised you don't need to go out at that time of day. It's more fun to go out and bump into people and have yeah. a chat and feel a bit more confident about what you're doing because... Mm. It, Although it technically it is criminal damage, and I have been threatened with arrest. Really? Well, that was something I didn't get onto this wow. morning. I don't want to scare people off. Yeah, yeah. I shouldn't be mentioning it now, but no, it did <laughs> happen. That's all right. Um, but um, even in that incident, whilst I uh, backed off, mm. I carried on later, 
just a bit yes. undercover and the garden thrived for five years so so you must have had a, a mixed response then of uh, I, I was envisaging that you may have had some sort of encounter with the law at some point yeah and councils and admin and departments and mm. things and some some take kindly to it and some mm. so you get the broad range of responses in mm. I think um, one of the reasons I love talking about it and writing about it is to try and dispel some of the confusion and the myths. Mm. Um, whilst there are guerrilla gardeners who do it entirely to provoke, um, that could mean digging a hole in the road and planting a tree. They are both the minority um, and also you know, a long way from what motivates me, which is to, 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 to do the gardening and to see the results and to meet people on the way. Yeah. Um, but as a result, people sometimes question, you know, they assume you're stealing or burying or, you know, just going a bit crazy. Mm. And in most incidents, I'm able to talk my way out of it. My time when I was stressing with the rest was, I think, partly because I had no plants with me. Oh, uh, really? They just didn't yeah. take me seriously. Yes, yeah. Um, it was so close to home, I'd left them at home, and it was once we'd done the digging, mm. we were going to go back and get them. Yes, yeah, the old law of is it loitering with intent, intent or I don't know. My intent was unclear. Loitering without digging intent. Digging with intent. Digging with intent. That's never yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. So nowadays, presumably, then you, if you, you, you know, you still do some guerrilla gardening. You have patches that you do. You have in your head sort of a, an awareness of how many areas well, you put things in, and uh, um, sort of a little map in your head, sort of thing. Yeah, I, I've given each location a project number. And we're, we're in the early forties. Right. However, not all of those have survived. Okay. Wow. It, is, it is like a, a, a front line moving mm. back and forth. Um, some because yeah. I took on more than I could achieve looking after them. Yeah. Others because the land, the road's been widened or tar has gone up. Yes. Regularly now, the nine tree pits of London Road, um, the huge raised beds outside Parent House, Elliot's Road, right, wow. Lambeth Field, Lambeth North. Stephen Street. That's great. So you know them, yeah. they're there like your little oh, yeah. babies. Oh, yeah, that's great. So just one last question then. Wild countryside or city with the places you're tending to, what would be your place of preference? Oh, the city. Because wow. of the animal yeah. life. I mean, the yeah. human life as well. Yeah. I, I was brought up in, in deepest, darkest, dampest Devon, yeah. but um, I, I love London. And I'm turning it into the city I want it to be. Now, it's all going pretty well. The party's in full swing. But I have noticed um, we haven't got seven guests, have we? Because um, Clive didn't actually make it. So um, it's going to be a seven-guest podcast. That is the idea. Otherwise, it would be called the Hexagon Club. That's already been taken. So I do need a seventh. I'm going to have to go and wake up my son. Do you know what a podcast is? No. podcast is like a radio show for the internet that no one listens to. So on this podcast, there's a bit of a theme of guinea pigs bit like the pet, but also human guinea pigs all crammed into different places or being tested out on in different ways. Did you know I was once... Did you know there's a show called Big Brother? Have you heard of Big Brother? No. Um, Big Brother is um, a TV show where you've got lots of people who are stuffed together into a house. And I, once, years ago, did a spin-off show of Big Brother as a pilot called Kings of Comedy, and we had to stay in a house for one week and it wasn't broadcast my version and they tried it out with us and then they'd send in the well the real comedians i suppose you could argue so in this house for a week i went in there right and it's living in there there's bedrooms and a living room and a kitchen and a toilet and there's cameras everywhere except not in the toilet so what was weird about this and this is the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to me right because i went on the toilet and 
someone tried to get into the toilet and the toilet door lock fell off onto the floor so they could just open the door. They opened the door and I was on the toilet. As if that wasn't bad enough that my six housemates were right there, just in the distance, because there wasn't a camera in the bathroom, but right in the distance across the kitchen, I could see the camera from the kitchen slowly turn around and zoom in to me on the toilet. What do you think about that? That was the last bit. Quick fire. I mean, quick fire. The quick fire round. Nice. If you had all the money in the world, what denomination would you like it in? Catholic. 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 That's not. That was. That wasn't one of the answers that I had as a possibility. But we'll go with that one. That's that's good. I like that as a start. What keys on a keyboard can just shove right off? <laughs> keyboard keys? Yeah. Oh, I see. I'm yeah. suddenly thinking of pianos now. I was thinking, oh, that's true. this isn't my specialist yeah. subject. A sharp Yes, yes, yes. Old GR? Old GR. Useless. Completely useless. <laughs> <laughs> Are we halfway to losing capitals? I'm just thinking, joined up writing is going out. Because, mm. you know... That's not how you do it on a computer. And I'm just thinking, I wonder if capitals will go as well. Because you can, you've got full stops to indicate the end of a sentence. Yeah. And, and um, there's also that weird seagull bracket thing. Oh, yes, that you yeah. used to use in maps, mm. which I've never used. I've done it all over, yeah. There's too many brackets. Yeah, yeah. yeah you just need one bracket. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's an F9. Is there a use for an F9? Uh, Maybe yeah, for often for quick loading in games. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh. For like F F ten. F ten, not don't need it. Useless. Don't Useless. Need it. I don't think so I've ever pressed F three yes, in my so entire far. life. Like F two is good for renaming. F one is help. Yep. F five is refresh. Yeah. F four. Old F four is shut. F three. Useless. Useless. Finally, the bay window of wisdom from entrepreneur Richard Woods. So finally, because this, I, I don't know, this is episode one. I don't know who's listening to this, yeah. but I suspect that it's going to be um, three people. Three people, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. But we'll grow that, we'll grow yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. It'll be four um, next week. But um, I suspect it's sort of um, artsy types, com- you, know, I, you know, comedian, writers, musician-y, yeah. that's the sort of people I generally know, yeah. who are all notoriously rubbish at business. Yeah. Which is probably why we've ended up doing what we're doing. What, is there any simple advice, tips... How to do it better. <laughs> so so it's, it's oh, not a case of doing it better. There is a massive land grab happening at the moment, and it's mm. ideal for your industry. So you've got these new technologies, right? So Facebook, Twitter, those sort of things were the bits that the kids did, and then the grown-ups had got on board and ruined it for everybody, right. and the kids aren't there anymore. But where the kids go, the grown-ups will follow, and then that will become the place where people will be conversing online in a few years' time. So so find out where the kids go. And also for people like you, your audience are, well, could be, you know, around about the 18 to 20 generation. They might be going out to go to comedy clubs or, or consuming your content online. Um, so obviously YouTube and stuff is big for people in your industry sector and you can earn from being a vlogger. But the land grab, the place where the great American planes have been opened up for people to go put their flag in, is two places One's Periscope and the other one's Snapchat. So Snapchat is bringing in brands because you can create stories on Snapchat, which are small sort of um, 25 second videos that snap together to show the story of your 24 hours. It's brilliant. I'm loving it at the moment. Richard D. Woods, 
um, if you want to see me on okay. Snapchat. Um, and also Periscope, Richard underscore Woods on Periscope, which is owned by Twitter, and it's linked to... Um, your Twitter account, and you just record it, and it's a live feed, and you'll see all people coming onto it. And these places, the people that are doing the best on there, just happen to be the people that are on there fastest. Here's a business idea for you then the new Periscope, but it's medical, we call it Endoscope. And uh, that's just horrible. <laughs> no, nobody wants to watch that. No one wants to watch that. Or you could have one about spicy Portuguese food called Peri Periscope. Doesn't Peri matter. Let's not go there. Um, I think I'm fine. Never mind. Yeah. Um, thank you very much, Richard Woods. Thank you so much. Lovely jubbly. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to all my guests this week. Thanks to Milton Jones, to Reverend Kate Botley, Richard Woods, who you heard just there, John Sands, Russ Anderson, Clive in Absentia. And Richard Reynolds, the Gorilla Gardener, and indeed my own son. Hey, you, as anybody said to the music you have heard, Blue Jeans by Rob Halligan. I'm on the Twitter, at Paul Carenza. You look positively beautiful in your blue jeans. Paul at PaulCarenza.com. It doesn't matter what you wear. Just have a Google. For me. Or the Heptagon Club. Find us on Facebook. You're the best thing that's happened to me. We will see you again for episode two.